The year is 1964. The cheerful sounds in the streets of Lusaka, the copper belt, Loapula, Choma, deafening. Standing tall, standing proud and free, singing the anthem of a new nation. Adrenaline-filled punches of the air, independence, cha-cha-cha. We had done it. The Britons were out. One Zambia, one nation proclaimed the man of immense influence, the mastermind behind the fight. The fight in bringing power to the people, power to our country's people. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Econ with Phantom. This week we will be going back in time to the days of the dawn of our beloved country. Birth of a nation, Zambia with an indomitable man at its helm. His demeanor, coupled with his undeniable presence, could not be unnoticed. Dr. Kenneth Kaunda. Arguably, the single greatest defining moment for our nation came when Dr. Kenneth Kaunda announced that Zambia would take a controlling share of the copper mines. The timing of this announcement could not have been at a better time. Copper prices were steadily on the rise. The prospects were looking fantastic. During this period from 1964 to 1970, there was a substantial increment in the demand for copper, consequently resulting in copper prices experiencing 400% to 500% increments in prices. Just outrageous numbers, honestly. These crazy changes in price were mainly driven by the increased need of copper for construction, electrical and electronic automotive industries, mostly in the European countries. Furthermore, due to the radical approach of consolidating control of the copper mines through buying back of mineral rights from the British South Africa company, Dr. Kawunda and his UNIP were able to significantly reduce the leakages of copper revenues. Royalties imposed on the mines were as well increased. I guess they call them that because they are royally large taxes. Well, suffice to say, Zambia had money. And typically, what do uh, Zambians do? I mean, people. People do when they have money. Well, comrades. They spend and spend, we did. UNIP embarked on a long overdue investment spree, investing in communication, social services. In 1960, there were nearly 2,500 Africans in secondary schools. By 1970, there were over 50,000 students in secondary schools. Similarly as well, there were less than 100 Zambian University graduates by 1971. Then, the University of Zambia, which was founded in 1965, had over 2,000 graduates, African graduates for that matter. It just shows the robustness in the investments that they undertook. Well, clearly these investments by the government were concerted and consistent. They were done over a number of years, yielding benefits for the country and making a powerhouse of a nation. With China in the early 1970s building the railway from the Copper Belt to Dar es Salaam, it was 
a force to be reckoned with. Unfortunately, in the early 1970s, this spell of good fortune, it came to an end. When the copper prices came tumbling down, now, due to the primary dependence on copper by Kaunda and his UNIP, the country took a significantly large economic fall from race. As if the problems weren't enough, the prices of oil shot up exponentially, causing inflation, which was already on the rise, to rise up like Lazarus did again. Now you see, at this point, Zambia was in a bubble, and the bubble burst. Kaunda and his regime were committed to spending, but now there was a drought. There was a drought of dough. So what did they do? What could they do? Well, instinctively, they borrowed. So borrowed they did from abroad, from countries like Saudi Arabia, who hit a gold mine of oil. Well, in that case, it would be an oil mine of oil. They drew on resources from reserves, consequently leading to a significant reduction in investment. Now, what you have to realize is that this government had grown so dependent on spending money and getting money from copper, but its primary resource was depleting. Well, not the copper, the money that was coming from the copper. It was depleting. So there was haphazardness in the regime because they had never in their history experienced such an event. I too, for clarity, would not be interested in investing in a country on a downward spiral and any realistic investor wouldn't do so. And unfortunately, this was bound to be disastrous. A time of subsidies. Sometime back, I thought Dr. Kenneth Kaunda coined the word. It's just how so closely UNIP and subsidies are linked. From the many they borrowed and reserves they burned through, UNIP managed to prolong or delay its inevitable downfall. Well, artificially, of course. Iron-fisted Dr. Kenneth Kawunda. Critics spoke, people saw through the lies of the subsidies. They began feeling the effects of the years of ineffective policy, but iron-fisted Kawunda consolidated power to himself. What could he do? They criticized Dr. Kawunda. He felt threatened by them. In addition, the illegal Rhodesian regime threatened Dr. Kaunda, so he became an authoritarian iron-fisted, imposing a state of emergency like no other. Regulations giving him unusual power. He used this unusual power, of course, to unfortunately detain his political opponents without trial, of course. In 1973, the one-party state was approved, coupled with the taking over of the Zambian main newspaper. Things were pretty bad. Dr. Kawunda was threatened and he reacted. People felt the heat and they 
reacted. Eager to find a compromise, Dr. Kaunda suggested farming. Sound familiar? By 1980, out of 5.7 million Zambians, more than 2 million people lived in towns without jobs, housing, and inadequate health care. Driving this was the inadequacy in the provision of resources. They were so sparse. Times were really hard. Things were further exacerbated by the removal of subsidies on goods. In 1986 and 1990, this policy was met by a huge uproar. People went ballistic through the roof. If I were alive in those days, I too would have been infuriated. And I have no doubt whatsoever, I know this in my core, that Unza definitely participated in the uproar. Due to the huge uproar by Zambian citizens, UNIP was forced to restore subsidies in 1987, costing them support from the IMF. The IMF gave Zambia conditions and unfortunately they could not fulfill this one because the people were just desperate. The economy was bad. Debt as well was slowly creeping up. Pressure from all ends, lenders, the citizens, people wanted action. The economy was in shambles. It was not going well. Dr. Kawunda was frustrated by this. Due to this pressure, the one-party state system was abolished. The frequent closure of the University of Zambia did not help at all. They had no choice. Elections were held in October and an underdog by the name of Chiluba won it. What is so special about this man? What are his achievements and his shortcomings? Well, join me in episode 6 of Econ with Phantom as we consider the fundamentals of FTJ. Phantom, out.